You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. I love Christmas carols. I love Christmas time. Can we thank our musicians this morning for leading us, not just in carols, but in worship? They had a bit of a, of a rough start to the morning. One of our, I don't know, data cables that connect stuff didn't work. And the amazing thing is that we have our very own Dave Conlon, who just happened to have, and Matt, who just, but they just happened to have a whole roll of data cable in the back of his van. So he ran out to Manu, the van, pulled out data cable, did a new cable, so we were able to, to worship with reinforced sound this morning because of some last-minute uh, patching and cable running. And so, well done, team. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Matt. It's all the fun things that happen, like, early in the morning before the rest of you guys get here. Like, the music team are pulling their hair out going, ah! And he still got there. So I, I, I love it. We still honor Jesus. That's what it's about. And you know what? We don't actually need all the other stuff to honor Jesus. It's nice because it kind of helps us all sing together and we can have words so we know what we're singing, but we actually don't need any of that. We could just pull out an acoustic guitar and sing. We could, we could just lift our voices together and honor Jesus because it's actually about him. It's not about all the extra stuff. I think that's one of those things at Christmas time, and I love it. I mean, Christmas is my favorite time. It's partly because I am born near Christmas as well, and so it just seems like a special time, but it's just like because it's about Jesus, not about me, <laughs> Stay on track. Stay on track. <laughs> it's going to be one of those mornings. We're going to have fun this morning. But, you know, because it's all about Jesus, I love it because it, everything comes back to him. It's not about all the other stuff. It's not about all the trimmings. And it's something that we have to be, remind ourselves of because we can really easily fall into all the other stuff. Like in our worship, we can really easily fall into, I'm just going to watch other people worship rather than worshiping him and seeing him myself. We can do that at Christmas as well. We just fall into the routine of all the events and the Christmas parties and the going away and the holiday and we're getting ready for that and actually forget. It's all about him. It's all about him. I love at Christmas that the focus is Jesus. I love that we get time with our family and friends. I love that we have the opportunity to give. I love all of those things. But all of it is focused around him. And I feel like this morning, God wants to refocus us again around who Jesus is, that you would see him again. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The disciples were talking about, you know, they, they needed uh, about food and clothing and all the stuff, the, the things that we need in life. And Jesus says, yeah, 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 I, I get it. I know what you need. But actually, my way is a little bit different than your way of thinking. Your way of thinking is, if I have all this stuff sorted out, then I'll be able to be, you know, a, a good servant of Jesus. I'll be a good disciple. I'll be a good follower. Jesus says, no, no, no. I, I, I understand that, but my way is this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will find their rightful place. You know, life in the Lord it's not about having everything you've ever wanted or being able to do anything you've ever wanted. Yeah, that, that's the lie of the culture around us. That if you just had all the things sorted out, if you just had the perfect Christmas tree, if you just had the perfect trimmings for Christmas, if you just had all the gifts and all the stuff sorted and you were able to go on the, the perfect holiday, that everything would feel good and you'd have peace in your life and your mind would be at rest. Jesus says, hang on a second. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these other things will be added to you. Life is not about all the other stuff. Those things aren't bad. Holiday's not bad. Time with family, it's good. These are good things. But he's saying, will you still put me first? Will you put me at the center? It's about seeking first the kingdom. When that's the priority and the focus of my life, when my life exists to give him glory and to seek first his kingdom, then God takes care of the other things. I can tell you uh, from, from my own testimony that when you seek first Jesus, when you seek his face, when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, God will take care of the other things. Sometimes we go, oh, we, 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 get, we get upset with that because we think God should take care of it in the way that we think it should be. Ta- like God's going to give me all the things I want. That's not the gospel. That's a, that's a different gospel. God doesn't give you all the things that you want. But he says, if you seek my face, if you seek me first, if you put me first, I'll take care of the things that you need. He knows what you need. He knows how we grow. He knows our challenges. He knows our struggles. And I want to ask you this morning, the week leading up to Christmas, how do we seek first the kingdom of God in our Christmas season? Because we can talk about seeking first the kingdom in a whole lot of areas of life. It encompasses everything. But this week, this season, how do we keep Jesus at the center? See, every year at Christmas time, we have this opportunity to make much of Jesus, to focus on him, to strengthen our relationship with him, to show the people around us and our friends and family who he is, or to focus on ourselves, to make it about me. To be honest, if, we're, if we are really honest with ourselves, we have the focus to make it about him or to be selfish. We don't like the word selfish, but that's really the heart check We can get caught up in all the other things and let the kingdom take second place. But we have a choice. We have to choose in everything that's happening, will we keep Jesus at the center? Will we focus on him rather than on how busy we are? Rather than the things happening around us? Rather than what you did or didn't get? Whether you do or don't have family that that you're going to see this season or whether they're far away or whether they're close and all the things that are happening. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, or have it in abundance. In John 1 verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Philippians 2 says that Jesus left the comfort of heaven and became a man so that we can have relationship with him. That's what this is about. The most important thing at Christmas time, and actually at any time, is Jesus Christ himself that we know him intimately, that we're showing him to others, that we're helping other people see his love. I mean, why are we going on the street this afternoon? There's so much other things we could be doing. Yes, that's true. But actually, the most important thing leading up to Christmas is that people see Jesus. My prayer has been that as we go out, that people step into like a bubble of the peace of God and the love of God and encounter his presence. My prayer for you this morning has been that you'll encounter his presence this morning. So what's stopping you this Christmas from knowing Jesus more intimately? What's stopping you from making him known and sharing his love with others? If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Titus chapter 2? Titus chapter 2. 
verse 11 to 14, we're going to read this morning. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, talking about Jesus, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous or passionate for good works. The grace of God in Jesus teaches us to turn away from ungodliness, to turn away from worldly passions, and it empowers us to live godly lives. That's the good news. In Jesus, God wants to redirect our God-given passions from ungodliness and worldliness to Jesus and the good works he's called us to. My wife is a very passionate person. Those of you that know her know that she's, she's passionate. This is good. It's good. This is encouraging. Don't give me that look. She's like, mm, mm, easy. You, t- you take your life in your own hands as a preacher when you use your wife as an example. Just for all you budding preachers out there. No, she's very, she's very passionate. God's made her passionate. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing to be passionate. But God takes our passion when we come to Jesus and he says, it's not just for yourself or for, for your own gratification or the things that you want to do. I want to take the passion that I've given you and redirect it for the things of the kingdom. I want to take the gifts and the talents that I've given you and I want to redirect them for my glory. Jesus becomes the focus of our passion. We can't claim the and all these things will be added to you if we're not actually seeking first the kingdom. A lot of people like to claim the, you know, God's going to add all the things to me. But the, it comes with a, with a clause, which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our passion can and should reveal Jesus. It's not bad. If people have told you to be less passionate, I want to set you free today. Don't be less passionate. Be more passionate, but just redirect your passion toward the things of God. We get passionate about all sorts of things. And then we come to church and we go, oh. We scream at, the, at sports games. We, we cheer at concerts. We, like, we, we worship the, those that are, that are performing. But we come to church and when we have the opportunity to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we stand there with our hands in our pockets and we go, hmm. Come on, like God's given us passion and he wants us to use it for his glory, for his worship. So how do we seek first the kingdom this Christmas season? How do we make sure that we're passionate and zealous about the things that Jesus is passionate and zealous for? I'm going to give you some practical things, some like really practical things and some more sort of um, like theological, spiritual things. It's going to be a mix of both this morning. Firstly is this, make sure that your words, that your conversations are reflecting the true nature of Jesus, that they're about uh, a true, true nature of Christmas, that they're about Jesus, not just about what's going on around us. In Colossians 4 verse 6, it says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Be gracious 
in your speech. Be gracious in your conversations. Let the way we speak this Christmas, let the things that we're posting on social media, let our conversations honor Jesus. Christmas is a weird time because you have like these Christmas parties with people that you wouldn't otherwise hang out with during the year often. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's with people that you would, but often it's like family that you only see at Christmas or like friends that go, we should have a Christmas party, so let's do this thing. And like you kind of, it can be a bit, let's be honest, it can be a bit awkward at times. Not our Christmas parties, I mean, no. but you know, your ones. No. <laughs> they can be awkward. They're both people that we don't always hang out with. And you know, then people have a couple of drinks and they get angry and they start talking about whatever, their opinions. Like, can we make it about Jesus? Can our conversations honor Jesus? Even when other people are rude or arrogant or at the end of their rope or just plain wrong in their ideas and opinions, can we be gracious and bring Jesus into the conversation? Can we love people rather than try and make ourselves look good? Can we bring it back to the love of Jesus? Can we bring it back to the reason why we celebrate? You know, the only people that Jesus, Jesus calls us to love people. The only people that Jesus condemned were the religious hypocrites. So when you're sitting with your unsaved uncle who's ranting about something, don't condemn him. Show the love of Jesus. So if I like that one. <laughs> like, just show them the love of Jesus. The only ones that Jesus condemned were the religious hypocrites. The ones that got on their high horse and said, I know, I've, I've got it all together. And he, could, and he, you know, he calls them whitewashed tombs and you're, you're a grave full of dead bones. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's insulting. If you're going to get insulting at Christmas dinner, <laughs> insult the religious hypocrites in the family, not the, uh, not the unsaved ones. Our job is to love people. Our job is to show them grace. Our job is to make sure our conversations show the people the love of Jesus. That our conversations are flavored with the praise, the love, the grace of Jesus. How can you, practically, how can you bring Jesus into a conversation this week? Maybe with your kids. Ask your kids what they think Christmas is about. See what they tell you. Start a conversation. Ask your unsaved friends or family if you can take a moment maybe to pray before lunch or before the meal. I mean, that might be stepping way out of your comfort zone. But again, it's kind of trying to show people, hey, this is, there's more to this than just we're getting together to have a party. Maybe saying Jesus loves you. God bless you. Maybe you can find an interesting fact about Jesus' birth and you can, you can share that, you know, over at dinner. Hey, did you guys know whatever this fact is, blah, blah, blah? Secondly, make a conscious decision to speak highly of, to rave of Jesus, not just the natural things. Share the testimonies of what he's done, not just talk about the gifts that you're going to get. In Psalm 34, verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, or his praise shall continually be on my lips. This makes a big impact when we rave about Jesus, especially to our kids. Can I just tell you, kids will value what you value. 
they'll emphasize what you emphasize. You are, we say this often, but in your family, you are the barometer. You set the temperature. You're the thermostat, not the thermometer. Everyone's like, what's a barometer? You're the thermostat, not the thermometer. You set the temperature, you set the expectation. What you make it about is what the rest of your family will make it about. You have the ability, you and I, by what we speak and what we value, what we give attention to, to set the atmosphere and the focus in our families and in our gatherings. Um, you know, that's why what we say and what we do needs to be gracious and seasoned with salt. Do your kids know why we give gifts at Christmas? Do they know that we give because Jesus gave to us? Because the Father gave his only son so that, that when we believe in him, we won't perish but have eternal life. Do you know why we give? We're following the example of Jesus who gave us the Holy Spirit as our comforter, our helper, uh, to guide us into all truth. Jesus gave, so we give. Are we playing carols that talk about Jesus or just the, the, the jingle bell ones? Thirdly, let what we give our time to show our love and passion for Jesus. How do we seek first the kingdom? What, let what we give our time to show our love and our passion for Jesus. It's good to have rest time. It's good to have holiday. It's good to have time with family. But that should never be at the expense of time with Jesus. Even in the busiest seasons of life and ministry, Jesus himself withdrew to spend time with the Father. You don't go on holiday from your relationship with Jesus. If that's your thinking, your relationship is messed up. Is that too honest? Is that? The time with family, the holiday, the rest, the, 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 the joy of the Christmas season should never be at the expense of spending time with Jesus. It's not at the expense of time with him. Don't neglect spending time with him. Don't neglect being in his presence. You should have a holiday. If it's not now, have a holiday some other time in the year, but not from your relationship with Jesus. It's a holiday from work. It's like you don't have a holiday from your family. Some of you guys are like, I, I need to have a break from... <laughs> you don't have a holiday from your marriage. I don't go like, hey, Elodie, I'm going to go on holiday for a month. See you later. Have a good time. She wouldn't mind that at times. We go on holiday together to be more, to build our relationship. I was going to say to be more intimate, but that's also true. But hey, to rekindle the romance. That's it. I mean, it's funny, but I mean, honestly, in our time off, in our rest time, our, time, our break from work or the routine of life, does it actually rekindle our romance with Jesus? Rekindle our first love with him? We get actually space and time to spend with him. We show our kids, we show our unsaved friends, we show our family a lot about our relationship with Jesus by what we do and we don't give our time to. And what we do and don't give our time to instead of spending time with Jesus or coming to church or being involved in things of the kingdom. They're watching us. Your kids are watching you. 
your unsaved friends are watching you, and they're looking to see if this is really your first love and passion or if it's just a show. We ask people who come to stay in our house. Um, Elodie loves to ask people who are more mature in, in the things of God or who have kids that are older than us, what's one piece of advice you can give us in raising kids who are going to love Jesus? Somebody recently said, the, the, the best piece of advice I can give you is to be authentic. Because if you're faking it, they'll know. And kids don't want to grow up and have anything to do with something that's been faked. Be authentic. Be real. Fourthly, be an encourager. How do we seek first the kingdom? How do we point it to Jesus? How do we keep it about Jesus this week and in the weeks to come in the holiday season? Be an encourager. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 10 verse 24, and we, we often quote this about meeting together, but it ends with encouraging. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up to meet together, as is the habit of some, uh, some are doing, but encourage one another. You have a job this morning. Who? What? You. Hello. Give me a wave. You have a job to encourage somebody. You have a job. Liam, your job today, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to encourage somebody. Seppo, your job is to encourage somebody today. You're always encouraging people. Yvette, your job is to encourage somebody today. I want to teach you a saying. So my parents taught me this when I was young, and I assume that everybody knew this saying, but I've realized in, uh, in dealing with people and leading a church for quite a while that not everybody knows this saying. It's very common. It's not a Bible saying. It's just a nice phrase. It goes like this. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's one of those common sense things that people say common sense isn't that common. If you don't have something nice to say, be quiet. Because you're called to be an encourager. You and I, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, should be more encouraging than anyone else around us. Putting this one piece of wisdom into action in your life might do more for the witness of Jesus than any of the other things we talk about today. If you don't have something nice to say next week at Christmas lunch to your crazy cousin who's banging on about whatever, just don't say anything. Just be quiet. Just bless them. Just, in, like, just under your breath, you just be like, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus help me love them. Jesus loves them. Jesus help me love them. Don't tell them Jesus loves you and he's helping me love you. That's not encouraging. Be encouraging. Make this your model. Live by it. If in all the Christmas parties, the family gatherings, the meals, the catch-ups, the get-togethers, don't fall into the trap of negativity and gossiping. And it's part, like part of our culture is like we just talk about all the bad things. It's like our conversation starters are all the negative things. I, I mean, that's, that's, the news is on. Like that's kind of what we're conditioned toward. Think of some good things to talk about. Think of some of the testimonies of what Jesus has done in our midst this year and share them. I love doing this with our unsaved neighbors because it kind of freaks them out, but it makes them intrigued as well. 
Like Henry with his, Henry had, we thought he'd broken his ankle and he was on crutches. He came and got prayed for and ran out of the building with no crutches. I believe God to- totally healed him. It wasn't broken because they couldn't see any break, but he was in pain and then he could run. So like the neighbors are like, where's your crutches? I said, oh, you won't believe this. It's, it's awesome. Like, so like he went to church and it wasn't even me. He asked some other people to pray for him. They prayed for him and his pain was totally gone and he ran out of the building. And they're like, you know, that sounds really weird. But that's amazing. Think of, I mean, honestly, there is, there is heaps and heaps and heaps of testimonies of what God's done this year. Make a mental note of some of them. Make an actual note in your phone of some of them. And when conversation starts to get weird at your Christmas party or at your Christmas thing, be like, hey, you want to hear something that God did like in our church this, this year? If they're like, no, you're like, I'm going to tell you anyways. I'm going to encourage you with a cool testimony of something that God's done. Like, I don't, I, you know, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it because it actually happened. It doesn't really matter whether you believe that it happened. It's my testimony. It did happen. You might not have a paradigm for it because we don't, you, you know, we're still spiritually asleep. You might go, I don't know how that happened. It doesn't make sense scientifically, but it did happen. I mean, you know, I don't know how it happened, but my son came in, not being able to walk on his, th- on his ankle and using crutches, got prayed for and ran out of the building and never picked up his crutches again. Jeremy was sharing about a workmate who, like, with a shoulder that was healed. And, I mean, there's, you know, people's thumbs and broken bones that have been healed. And people's, you know, who are emotionally broken, who have been restored. There's just testimony after testimony after testimony of God's goodness. Make a list of them and talk about them at Christmas time. And be an encourager. Think of some of the things you have to be thankful for. Even if the Christmas meal is horrible. I say this to my boys all the time, and Elodie never makes bad food. But I'm like, even if you don't like it, I don't care if you don't like it. You will say something nice to your mother who spent her, all this time preparing a meal. You will find something in the meal that you like, and you'll say, thank you so much, Mom, for those potatoes. They're the best potatoes I've ever had in my life. You might hate the asparagus. You might not like the vegetables. You might think the meat is overcooked or undercooked. Who cares? Find something you like and thank them and be encouraging. Like it's, it, it's like these sort of like little shifts of, of things. Like, oh, you know, the, like the beans are overdone and they're soggy. Nobody likes soggy green beans. It's gross. But like, but if the potatoes are really crispy, thank you for the, I, 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 like this is not the most spiritual like advice, but it is because it helps you shift your mindset. Because most of us gravitate toward the negative. Find the positive. Be an encourager. Find something to say about every person that's at the Christmas party, every person in your family that encourages them, that builds them up. Even the ones you don't like. Find something. Even if it's just, I love what you're wearing today. Hopefully it can be something about their character or their nature, like, you know, what are their attributes. But even if it's as shallow as just, I really like what you're wearing today, encourage them. It's amazing how how far a little bit of encouragement goes. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of of your mouths. You guys hear that? Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. We want to be a people who give grace to those who hear us talk. Got two more points. My fifth point is this. Be generous. How do we seek first the kingdom? Be a generous person. 
I want to share with you something. Uh, I've read this, read this before, but something one of my friends wrote years ago. I want, to, I want to read this to you. They said this. There's lots of status updates, and there is around Christmas. There's lots of status updates at the moment on the importance of remembering those who may be struggling for various reasons around Christmas. Well, I'm not criticizing this because it, it's really great to bring awareness to the fact that this can be a difficult time of year for many, and I love that it's being thought about. The reality is that a copied and pasted status update doesn't make th things any easier for them. Really caring and real community requires more. So if you know someone who is lonely this Christmas, open your home to them. If you can, deliver a gift to them. If someone is mourning a loved one, then call us. Send a personal message letting them know that you're thinking about them. Our actions need to meet our words if we're to make a real difference in somebody's Christmas. They end with this. It struck me that sending caring thoughts on Facebook is no more helpful to a lonely person than sending food thoughts would be to a hungry person you pass on the street. Are we generous? Are we real? You might not be able to help everyone, but you can help someone. Let's not just talk about Jesus. Let's live like Jesus. Let's not just tell people that Jesus is the greatest gift, but not be willing to contribute to the needs that they have. Jesus is the greatest gift. They're like, but I, don't, I can't buy groceries. Well, maybe you can help them buy some of their groceries. Be generous. If you see a need, fill it. If you know someone who's lonely, don't just invite them to Christmas morning at church. Invite them to lunch at your house. Bring them into family. Involve your kids. Ask your kids, how, how can we as a family do this together? It's not just, hey, someone's coming to our house. This is why we want to bring people into our family. We, wanna, we want people to feel that they are loved and they do belong. We don't just tell them you're loved and you're accepted and you belong and then go, good luck. If you don't have anywhere to go on Christmas, please let us know because somebody will want to have you in their house. If you know someone who's lonely, invite them, bring them into family. As a family, we during the year try and save money all of us try and save money. This year is a little bit harder to save money than some other years. But so that we can be generous. We make a plan. Elodie's really good at, um, this is a raving on Elodie morning. Elodie's really good at spending money. That is true. But she's also really good at finding little gifts during the year that are on sale. That was the point I was getting to, not the spending. Um, because, to be honest, like all of you guys, if it waits till this week, we don't have any more money now. We spent the money. <laughs> you, know, you guys know what, you know what I'm talking about, eh? So if we had to just wait to what we have now to be generous, we're not going to be generous. We make a plan during the year. We set money aside. We find stuff that's on sale. We buy little gifts so that when somebody comes that's unexpected, we have something for them. When the moment comes to give, we have something to give. Can you plan to be generous? Don't just be generous with your stuff, though. Be generous with your time and with your love and with your care. My final point is this. How do we seek first the kingdom at Christmas? Check your heart. It's a heart check. It's a good time to take stock. Come to the end of the year. Take stock of your year. Take stock of your heart. Take stock of your life. Luke 6 verse 45 says, A good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. 
evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. If your expression, if your praise, if what you give your time to, if what you rave about, if what comes out of your mouth doesn't reveal Jesus, then the problem is that you're probably filling your heart with the wrong things. It starts in the heart. Things of the kingdom always start in the heart. If you find yourself being negative rather than encouraging, it's probably because you're filling your heart with the wrong things. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill your heart with these things. Why? Because out of the abundance of your heart is what you'll express. It's what you'll say to people. It's the actions that will come out. Because you can talk about, you know, we can talk about going on mission. We can talk about going to outreach and to, to love people and to care for people. But if we're actually not spending time filling our heart with the love of Jesus and saying, Lord, give me your love for people, it's all lip service. If we don't actually ever go out and do it. Can I just say that talking about outreach doesn't make you a person on outreach. Talking about reaching the lost doesn't make you a person on mission. You actually have to step out of your comfort zone and go talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet. If generosity is a struggle for you, maybe, maybe you've been putting your money and your time into the wrong things during the year. If those conversations are a struggle, maybe you've been filling your heart with the wrong things. It's time for a heart check. We're one week from Christmas. Can we allow God to search us, to check our hearts? The beautiful thing is this, that God's restoring the image of Jesus in us. When we make him the Lord of our life, he's restoring that image, the fullness of who Jesus is in us. And we're growing in, we're being transformed into, uh, we should be reflecting the character and nature of Jesus. And Christmas is a really great time to see how we're going in that. And you might, have a, you might have a moment in the next week or, ne or next week on Christmas Day where you don't reflect Jesus really well. You might have a moment where things don't go as well as you had planned them to go this morning right now as we've been preaching. You're like, yeah, yeah I'm going to do that. And then something happens and you have an outburst or whatever. Just stop. Say, God, I'm sorry. Come back to him and let him transform you into his image. The same as, you know, if something comes out of your mouth, you go, that's not encouraging. Just say, I'm sorry. Just be humble. Say, I'm sorry. Actually, I want to be an encourager. It takes humility to do that, but I guarantee you will transform the atmosphere if you stop in that moment and say, I'm sorry. That wasn't very encouraging. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.